0: this podcast is brought to you by barrier break solutions aye private limited and score foundation aye
1: aye aye we, aye
2: Hi, my name is George Abraham and welcome to this episode of Ayurveda uh, Conversations. My guest today is Dr. Preeti Sharma from Mumbai. She is an Ayurvedic doctor. She is also a yoga instructor, teacher and a therapist.
3: Thank you, George. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for inviting me here.
2: Yeah, so Preeti... Um, You know, you've chosen uh, to become an Ayurvedic doctor, a young person growing up in a city like Mumbai. What made you make this choice?
3: (laughs) That was in 1988, you know, and I had passed out my 12th standard and it was always a focus in my mind. I wanted to become a doctor since my childhood. And uh, Ayurveda being one part in our lifestyle when we were young, my parents, my father, especially, uh, very much trusted Ayurveda and we had quite a few Ayurveda medicines also in the house and we were treated that way many times. We were following the natural way of life. So all that uh, actually you know, motivated me to get into Ayurveda because I thought maybe something is more in it and uh, I, I need to explore uh, this thing which is actually our own science coming from the root, Mm -hmm. from India itself, and uh, I should learn this. And I also came to know at that time that when I study Ayurveda, I learn almost two pathies. So I have a good practice, good uh, knowledge of allopathy medicine as well and even Ayurveda because I had also seen quite a few Ayurveda qualified people practicing like a general practitioner with allopathy medicines. So, with the support of my father, of course, very strong support behind me, and I got into Ayurveda medicine. Now,
2: I also uh, believe that you started learning yoga. So, what uh, actually is the link uh, or what prompted you to also learn yoga at that point of time?
3: Yoga also came into my life at a very early age. So, I was in my second year, and uh, there was this uh, from the Ayurveda science, there was one subject containing one small topic of yoga and uh, for that reason we had a visit to this institute called Kaivalidham which was just beside my Ayurveda college. Yes. And uh, that was an amazing thing. We had people coming from that institute in our college to demonstrate and then we were made to visit that center and there I was actually amazed by seeing that in those days, I'm talking about 1991, that time, there were about 500 patients coming in at Kaivali every day and uh, they were getting healed, no medicines were given. And uh, they used to undergo a lot of this different practices of yoga and uh, we saw our instructors You had told us that, see, this person is suffering from so-and-so problem and there's hypertension and diabetes and this and that. And uh, they're getting healed and how this was going. That ambience was there. I was just amazed, right? I was really attracted by that. I said, okay, let me just go deeper into the subject. And then I enrolled myself for the course at Kerala well.
2: You got married. You have two children, a son and a daughter. And the life was going on. And then suddenly at the age of 30, you discovered that you had retinitis pigmentosa. And you started losing your eyesight. What were the fears? What were the emotions? And how did you deal with it?
3: So it was a shock. It was something, a jolt, you know, uh, where a break, where we got this. And me and my husband both were, uh, what to do when here then? Obviously, initially it was like consulting this ophthalmologist, that one, and uh, trying to find the solution to this. So all of a sudden things changed. It was hard. But then when I used to see my children, they are small and they needed my care. I am a mother for them. I mean, they don't know what I'm going through at this time. And they expect the same, uh, like any child would expect from a mother. So I need to become strong. And I have to accept this and find out my own ways and means to deal with this. And uh, in this process, of course, my brother, who I was already diagnosed with this retinitis pigmentosa a few years before me, he supported me a lot. He was a great support to me morally and uh, very, uh, very much always with me. You know? So he used to guide me how he got adjusted and how I have to deal with the situation. So. That was the thing. Gradually, he taught me how to use technology and he motivated me to use this. Of course, taking care of the family and all the things that were going on simultaneously. And my children were growing. So, handling them with their studies and also visiting school, socializing with them. And they also needed to accept this. So, all this process going on, being with the family, being from a Rajasthani family, also convincing you know, people, extended family in the, uh, the complete like in-laws relationships and all. So that was all a, a little tough, yeah, I would say. But yes, there was a determination that I, I'm not going to like, just sit and cry and just go down. I, whatever I wanted to do in life, I want to pursue that. I want to go ahead. I do not want to stop. So all that together, of course, helped me and uplifted me. And uh, yeah, we went ahead. And my husband, of course, always was there, physical support for me, the and, uh, and you know, every day, every time. He used to, he, uh, that one thing he had told me, that see, you have to accept this. It is like any other disease. People live with any other disease. Both of us being doctors, both of us from the medical side came to know, yeah, this is, if it is, this is incurable, we have to learn to live with it. This is something which has affected the retina and you have to accept it, just live with it, learn to live with it and I'm sure you will do that. So that was his confidence as well.
2: Okay, so let's now uh, move on to uh, your professional uh, work. So you, you, uh, did, it, did you have a longish professional break and, and did it take an effort to restart your professional work or uh, uh, you managed to carry on?
3: There was not a big break as such because I was still carrying on. I was, uh, when this was diagnosed, also I was with my clinic. I was doing the general practice as well. And uh, of course, as I told you, my passion for yoga. So in my general practice, also I was uh, giving yoga and I was working for these underprivileged people. So in the clinic, you know, I used to see all that pain and all that. So, uh, and that, you know, financial constraint also. So I used to always think that uh, if I teach them some yoga and the thing, it will keep them in a better shape, better condition. And the healthcare cost also reduces. So that was also where I was applying and it was giving me a lot of motivation. So this was also a very good place where I worked and I learned a lot. I got connected to actual the humanity, you know. So this was very good. And gradually then one day I decided, oh my God, I'm seeing so many patients in, the, in a day. I used to get such patients. That, you know, they used to say that, well, you give me some poison. Even so many medicines, I'm fed up of medicines. And that time also I used to, you know, them some yoga practices. And they used to feel happy with that, you know, repeatedly they used to come over. And that was giving me a lot of motivation. So one day I thought, okay, now enough of general practice, hearing medicines. There are many doctors, many doctors who do this. There are people to do this, but I can work something beyond medicines. I can work full time into yoga. You not know, It was not only, I mean, I was doing part time. I was taking care of this small center, I was teaching, I was uh, having my own consultations for my own clients. I was giving them lessons, private lessons. Also. But then I thought, now let me just uh, quit all this general practice and giving medicines, prescribing medicines. I should just come over to yoga, complete yoga therapy.
2: Then uh, somewhere along the line, you set up your own therapy center, which you call the Pran Yoga Therapy Center. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this? Me
3: and my husband, both of us were into this uh, because he's also very passionate with yoga. And for him also, it was becoming very tedious. As you know, with the pharma industry and uh, with his corporate job, with his own practice. and So he was getting very... uh, It was becoming tedious for him also. And uh, he also wanted to devote full time to yoga. So ultimately, he also decided to... Uh, you know, completely devote his time to yoga. And we set up this Prana Yoga Therapy Center. I mean, we thought that we should name it, make one banner out of it. And under that banner, we can work together. So that was, that's how we named it as Prana Yoga Therapy Center. We got it registered. And it was like three years back when we decided three, four years back when we named it and we registered it.
0: If you know of anyone with vision impairment who needs guidance on living life with blindness, please share the IWAY National Toll Free Helpline number 1800 5320469. The number is 1800 5320469.
2: So what's the kind of activities that you take up under this banner?
3: We have this therapy programs for different types of ailments for patients. And it is uh, also a teacher's training uh, center wherein we make new yoga teachers under the uh, syllabus prescribed by the YCD. That is the yoga certification board. And that is the body designed by Ayush Ministry. Right. so they do the standardization they give this certificate for uh, syllabus for this certificate courses of yoga yeah. teachers training
2: the other interesting question is that you are blind you can hardly see or you can't see at all mm-hmm. so how do you when you teach yoga how do you make sure that uh, the knowledge and the skill is being transferred
3: on site when i'm teaching of course the client is there in front of me yeah. And uh, it is always possible to you know, talk to the client and touch the client, you know, the, if I want to examine, I can see the temperature, I can, you know, read the pulse. So all that is possible. When I'm teaching, of course, the instructions are very precise, verbal instructions, yeah. very, very precise. And I'm performing, they can see me. They also perform, they copy me. Plus, I'm teaching them, giving them proper verbal instructions. Plus, I also ask them what effect they are feeling then and there. Right. So any particular position which is being done, yeah. I stay there in that position. They are also staying there in that position. So yoga means always it is, you know, it's holding a position. Right. So whenever you do any particular position or a posture, we call it asana, yeah. you hold that asana, you stay in that posture for some time. And that is the time, you know, I give them instructions. Okay, you're feeling a stretch here at the back. You're feeling a compression here in the calf. You're feeling this. So those particular changes, what are happening then and there in the body, in the breath, all that, I guide them. Or I ask them. It's always like interacting. So I ask them, what are you experiencing? And their experience actually tells me, is it right or wrong? And uh, if it is, you know, wherever need the correction, I do that. And if needed, I touch the client and correct the position.
2: When it's online, what happens?
3: Yeah. So online, again, it is the same thing. I am demonstrating. They can see me. I adjust my camera, my video that way. So they see me. They instru- listen to my instructions. So these things are very clear from the start that they have to be very attentive to the instructions, yeah. so their eyes and ears both should be open. Yeah. Many times it does happen, you know, uh, even like for me also, it might have happened when I was sighted that if I'm seeing, uh, anybody seeing, they do not pay attention to the words to that extent. Right, And it is usually happening, which I always noticed with my other friends and people around me also. Yeah. So I when I, this class starts, I usually tell them that yeah, you need to see and also listen to my instructions. The instructions are going to be really precise, so please be very attentive to your uh, to the instructions to the ear to your ears as well. Right. Then they are watching me. I am performing. Then they also perform. Then again, that same interaction is going on. Only the minus point is here. I cannot go near them and touch them. Yes, this still works because I am always interacting with them, what they are experiencing, what they are, the experience, the after effect, of course, reveals what is being done. Has it been done rightly or is it wrong? I've
2: also uh, read and heard that you uh, are now also teaching blind people to learn yoga and to become yoga teachers. How do you do that? Because they are not seeing you so this yeah. must be challenging
3: it is challenging but yes it is very exciting and i'm very happy that i could do that this also you know uh, started it actually triggered the thought process in my mind uh, i think for 5 years back you know when uh, in my in our center we had invited uh, we started inviting different teachers from different other specialities and uh, they were doing these classes about very well-known teachers, very nicely Even they are known in their subject. You know, yoga also has different different ways and different uh, patterns of teaching. So some teacher excels in some pattern. And we wanted to give our students all that experience. So we used to invite teachers and they used to conduct very beautiful classes. But I used to be always there in the class. And I was the only blind person in that class. And many times I could not follow what they are explaining what they are teaching, what they are making others do. So there I used to feel that teachers are lacking in that skill where they can teach a blind person. Of course, I don't deny that person is a good teacher, very good um, uh, at their job. And they really do the class and everyone in the class, they're liking their session but I was not enjoying. And that was, I felt it's not my drawback. I am blind, but then the teacher also is lacking in that skill. So when I am teaching someone, I am making yoga teachers, I want them to be skilled in this aspect as well. Yeah. So that was one thought, which was always lingering in my mind. And uh, when we started with the teacher's training courses, and yeah. gradually we progressed into that. And then I got the confidence and I also started uh, because of this uh, uh, COVID thing. We shifted completely all our activities to online. Yeah. So online activities actually, you know, this uh, gave me this thought process that I should do something now here that I can do for the blind people. Yeah. For the and I cannot see. So even everyone needs it. And I used to meet quite a few friends who really needed yoga. Yeah. So it so happened that in January 2021, uh, my yeah. brother he wanted a yoga teacher for his own uh, some health issues. Yeah. So I pro- I asked in my team that who is interested. Yeah. So I was teaching him, but yes, I was uh, I thought maybe because of my lack of time and all, I asked one of my teachers, one of the team members who assist me and then I asked him whether he would be able to do it. He said yes and he started teaching Planet and I guided him how to teach and what to, how to be precise in verbal instructions and all that. And he was teaching him well. He was finding, my brother was finding relief with his problems and it was nice, nicely going on. Then he shared his this thing to another friend of his and yeah. he also was looking for someone Yoga instructor, this friend is also blind, so I provided another teacher to this friend as well.
1: Yeah,
3: and uh, I instructed her how to do that, and she is also doing a good, good job. Yet, it is going on, their lessons are going on. Yeah, and this activity was shared by these two teachers in the team. Yeah. Uh, that uh, we were having this 25 to 30 teachers in a team, yeah. so they were having this uh, sharing in the meeting which they had. Yes. All of them listened to them. It, it was very into, uh, very exciting for them. The whole team got excited. and They were very enthusiastic that even we would like to do this. So I said okay, and uh, then we had very, quite a few practice sessions with them. So I was guiding them. I was doing a whole session with all the team of the teachers with them blindfolded. Yeah. So they were all blindfolded, and I uh, taught them how you experience. The yoga class when you yourself are not seen yeah and it was a wonderful session they all understood the lack of it and uh, they were all ready yes we would like to do this and that's how this came up we put out this uh, in notice that we would like to teach people who cannot see and, yeah. So we got very good response and uh, still this team is teaching. We are having uh, about, say, 50 clients now uh, who are doing this. I'm just talking about the personal thing. So personalized, -personalized, semi-personalized plans are there. And uh, now we have come up with a group plan also. So we are uh, taking five to six people in one class online. And uh, the teacher is teaching them. So the teacher is watching them, of course. And they are also teaching them verbally, giving instructions nicely. And uh, yeah, now our clients are doing Surya Namaskar as well. The Sun Salutation part
0: is uh,
3: very famous, as you know.
0: To support our work with the blind and visually impaired, you can visit the donate page on our website www.scorefoundation.org.in. Please note www.scorefoundation.org.in.
2: While you are uh, running PYTC, that's Pran Yoga Therapy Center, and uh, doing all these wonderful work, you've also been traveling. You've you traveled to do training programs in Europe as well as in other Asian countries. Uh, tell us something about that.
3: I specialize in pregnancy yoga. Yeah. So I give prenatal classes, postnatal classes. So that was my favorite subject when I started. So that was also another story. As I told you, many things were going side by side in my life. Yeah. And uh, so this prenatal yoga courses I give as a skill enhancement program to Yoga trainers, yeah. So already certified yoga trainers, they come to us and we give them the skill enhancement in the pre and post yoga. Yeah. So this thing I was doing this on-site workshop we had done in Germany for the yeah. German yoga teachers. Yeah. So those I had done that in those days when I was partially sighted. Yeah. So yeah, that went well. It was a good experience, and uh, those days that time I came to know that irrespective of the nationality, irrespective of the caste, religion, race, whatever. People are interested in yoga so much because yoga is something for humanity. So that was my experience with Germany. And uh, then in Vietnam, I had gone there. There also I had conducted a women's wellness program. So there also it was uh, that workshop was very beautiful. Therein... Uh, Women actually found out something, you know, something, you know, uh, something unfolding out of themselves. That right. was the realization. Uh, usually, it does happen in many societies that women are suppressed, and uh, many emotions, bottled up emotions, are there. Many things hidden in their hearts. So this workshop was very beautiful. We got really connected to so many women, and uh, yeah, it was at uh, Vinyon.
2: City in Vietnam. Well, uh, Priti, uh, I think what you talked to us today is spectacular and uh, I think the fact that you are bringing yoga to blind people and empowering blind people also to uh, become uh, a practitioners of yoga and uh, be possibly teachers of yoga. I think that's very, very encouraging. Another area where young blind people could aspire professionally. I think that's wonderful. And I think your life story is very inspiring. Thank you very much for uh, speaking to us and uh, spending this time with us. Thank you.
0: Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by Barrier Break Solutions Private Limited and Score Foundation.